You're listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Good morning, church. You know, I'm grateful that I get to come here every Sunday and worship with you guys. It's a privilege, you know that? I know we're busy. I know there's a lot going on in our lives. And I know there is a part of our culture that says like doing this is kind of antiquated and outdated and unnecessary. But I thank God for the refreshing moments that I get to have in this room from Sunday to Sunday. Can anybody else agree with me? Just give a shout of praise or a hand clap or something like that. And just let them know that it's good to be in the house of God. Grab your, grab your phones and go ahead and pull up the Vintage app. And uh, there's a note section there. And we're going to dive into the Word together. Uh, or if you want to just grab a physical Bible and go to Psalm 90. Because that's where we're going to kind of dive into the Word together this morning. As you're doing that, uh, just to remind you, I hope you noticed as you came in this morning that table that was out front. Um, thank you for the way you're responding to our challenge to love on uh, Randall Middle School. Uh, our goal is, you should have got one of these last week if you weren't here last Sunday or you haven't been here in a while. If you'll stop by that table as you go out, um, a couple volunteers will be there to kind of let you know what we're doing. We are trying our best just to make sure that the school supplies that this student body needs are here. Because if you're a parent, you realize school supplies are not cheap. Amen, parents. I mean, a, a three-ring binder is made of gold now. I don't understand why they're so expensive. It's crazy. Um, so uh, make sure you just take note of those things. And we're doing a new thing called Adopt a Teacher. Uh, you can find out more about that where we just want to come alongside to make sure that every teacher in this school has somebody from our church, uh, a family, a life group, or an individual to journey with them throughout this year and just encourage them, communicate with them, meet their needs as you, as you can, and just love on this school. And so make sure you remember all that. Also, just want to remind you, come back tonight at 6 o'clock. Um, we're going to be... Uh, uh, and uh, not, not everybody, because I don't know if we're going to have enough room, but those of you who can, um, we'll, we'll, we'll open up many classes and do whatever we have to do. But we're doing labs again this semester. And we've we just been praying about, all right, how can we help people grow in their faith and continue to inspire people to live and love like Jesus? And, you know, Sunday morning's not enough, right? You need more of God than the hour and 10 or 15 minutes you're here every Sunday morning, right? You know that? And so tonight we're going to do um, our first lab of this semester, and it's going to the topic at hand is how to get the most out of my time in the Word. You need to be in the Word every single day. The only Bible you get is the only Bible you read. When you're in this room, it's not enough. You need to stay in the Word. But if you're like me, there's times you read the Bible and you're like, so-and-so, but get who now? I don't understand what's happening. And so we want to just give you some tools and help you understand of how to dive into the Scripture in a way that it can change your life and understand it better. So hang out with us tonight. We're going to pick a classroom somewhere in this building. Um, and from about 6 to 8-ish, a couple hours, just jump off that subject right there of how to get the most out of your time in the Word. And we think you will learn something with us. So join us this evening if you uh, want to go a little bit deeper. Um, but today we begin a new series. And obviously, like, I don't have to do some kind of setup or intro because the screens kind of give it away a little bit. Time. And, and I, I recently heard something connected to this subject that puzzled me. I, I was listening to the radio not long ago, and I heard, I don't remember what the statistic was, but it was something like 90% of kids under the age of 16 cannot tell time on an analog clock. And I thought, seriously? Like, that's what, that's what our world has come to. Like, 90%, I, and, and maybe, I'm, I could be making that whole statistic up. It was something like that. 
It was some alarming statistic of the number of kids under the age of 16 that cannot tell time on an analog clock. So I thought I would do a little bit experience with my own children. So we have, we have an analog clock that's kind of like this galvanized thing that we, that's hanging in our living room. And I asked my son, I said, I said hey, buddy, what, what time does that clock say? He said, um, 130 o'clock? I'm like, dude, your teachers say you're smart. What in the world? And it, it just hit me like that. That's just true. And so you ready to take a test? All right, so JT's going to throw up an image of an analog clock. And do the, do, do the one without numbers first, JT. And just when you get it, y'all give it up for JT, my man, running, trying to keep up with me with sermon notes and our production team back there. Awesome job. All right, so just when it pops up and you know the time, yell it out. All right, go. It took y'all like 10 seconds. I could, see, I could smell the brain burning when that thing went up. Well, all right, what time? Somebody tell me if that's right. I don't know. Now, that, see, I made it hard for her. See, I, we had three images. Go to the other two. We're going to give you this one right here. You anybody know what those numbers are? Roman numerals. Okay, great. Some of y'all are like, why is there them letters on that clock? I don't understand. Can you still tell what time, what time is it? All right, and then the easy one. There's one more. There you go. There you go. See, y'all, y'all I'm so proud to be your pastor. Can y'all give yourselves a hand? Y'all are just smart. But this subject is a subject, and, and, and I know what's probably going to happen. There's going to be, like, some people in the room, like, you're going to resonate with me. You're going to connect with me. And, and maybe it's the people that are kind of in my season of life or older. But time is this topic that, can I just be honest with you, I can't get away from. This whole issue of time has just been burning in my heart over the last several months. And, and I've been, I'm a journaler, and if you're not a journal person, I get that. But to me, it's just, it, it helps me kind of just remember what God's doing in my life and talk to him in a way that's tangible and that kind of stuff. And more and more, like I've been writing just a lot about time because I, I don't know if it's, well, I've hit some milestones in the last couple years or especially in the last few months. Like this summer was 10 years ago that we moved up here to start Vintage Church. And when you think about a number like 10 years since we kind of began this whole process and journey, not since we launched as a church, but since I left what we were doing in South Carolina and we moved up here to start this church. And it just, when you hit those milestones, you begin to reflect, Right? When you hit milestones of time, y'all preaching with me this morning, right? Amen? You begin just to reflect a little bit. And then my last birthday in May, I turned 39. And so, like, I'm running down 40 as fast as I can and, and just trying to think, oh, man. And, like, now some of y'all, y'all, y'all saw 40 a long time ago. I mean, it's, but it's okay. Um, well, you know what's interesting? The older you get, the older old gets. Amen, somebody? I mean, at one time, you thought, like, 30, like, you're growing cobwebs behind your ears. Like, you're old as dirt, man. And then you realize, like, 30 ain't old. Then you realize, you know what, 40's pretty young, too. And then 50, and then, you know, so on and so forth. The older you get, the older old becomes. But time is one of these things that I just can't get away from. And the reality is, time matters to everybody. I mean, everybody is counting and paying attention to time. time sometimes I think we get this, this mindset of time is only an issue to people that don't think they have a whole lot of it left. But time matters to everybody. I mean, even like, my, like right now, there are kids all over our community right now. You're counting down the time because you're thinking, all right, how many weeks is it till school starts? And there's some teachers like, y'all shedding tears, bro. I mean, it's, it's, it's coming and then there's people in this room, like when you're paying attention to time, there's people, we've got people in the room that are they're getting married, they're tying the knot, they're saying I do in a few months, and like you're counting down the time, right? Time, like we pay attention to time, no matter how old or how young that we are, we, we focus on time. 
I mean, they even have apps now. Like, you ever seen the app called Days Until? And you can go in there and you can set a date and you can put a cute little picture. And it's like, 32 days till we say I do. Look at him, he's so cute. <laughs> and there's some people like, like you're, you're, we, we have, there are two things we have a lot around our church, weddings and babies. And most often in the same, in the right order. <laughs> See, some of y'all just now getting that, let it wave across there. And so when you're in those two kind of milestone things of life, like you're paying attention to it. You know, you start, I'm, I'm 32 weeks pregnant. We go through all these different, time matters to us. But as I'm in this season of my life, what I'm realizing more and more is time is our greatest commodity. Without a doubt, time is the greatest commodity that we possess. It is. Like, you know, I know we value money and we value relationships and we value all these, all these things that are valuable. Can we really boil it down and, and begin to understand this whole concept of time? The more you understand it, the more you value it. Because the reality is, time is one of the things, once it's gone, you cannot get it back. And the reality is, you never really know how much you're going to get. And it's a shame that we wait for moments like funerals to start thinking about our lives and start thinking about time. And the reality is, your life and time are the same thing. You follow me? Your life is your time, and your time is your life. Like, if you think back on this past week, and you go to Monday from, from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m., that wasn't just an hour. That was a moment of your life that is now gone. That was spent somewhere, somehow, invested or wasted. Like, that's the reality of our time. And you know what? As, as I'm getting to this position in my life, I'm trying to figure out, all right, how do I get my hands on time? Because I, it seems like it's just moving faster and faster. I know I sound like an old man right now. But I'll never forget, when I, I, I graduated from high school, uh, 21 years ago, I graduated from high school. And I, I remember that Sunday, having that Sunday where they recognized all the graduates at our church and that kind of stuff. And there was this older gentleman who used to be, he was like the guy every Sunday. He was standing at the doors passing out the bulletin. Can y'all picture that man if you grew up in the church? Y'all can see him. He looked the same way at my church that he did yours. <laughs> Navy blue jacket, balding a little bit. Can I get an amen, right? That's who he was. And I remember he said, so you, son, I hear you graduated from high school. I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I did. He said, well, enjoy it. Because now, from now on, every year will go by faster than the one before it. And you know what? My man was right. And it seems like every year, time just speeds up a little quicker and a little quicker. Now some people in the room, you are young, but like, you're convinced that you got all the time in the world. So did the rest of us. And now here we stand. Time. And you know what I've discovered as, as I'm reflecting on this, and I'm, I'm watching my kids grow up, and I'm watching our church change, and I'm watching all these things happen, and I'm watching hair fall out of my head, and I'm watching all these things go on. That trying... This is the only analogy that I can think of, and I hope it makes it that trying to get a handle on time is trying, like trying to pick up water with your bare hands. The more you try to keep it and handle on it, the faster it seems to slip away. That makes sense to anybody? Like trying to get a handle on time is like trying to pick up water with your bare hands. The more you struggle to get a handle on it, the quicker it seems to slide away. And I just want my time to not be wasted. I want to make the most of my time. 
Like I want to constantly, consistently throughout my life make sure that the time that I've been given by my Heavenly Father is leveraged for the right things. I want to use my life. And so I've just been studying the scriptures. And the reality is the scripture says a lot about time. Some of it is cool and exciting and some of it is just downright depressing. Like if you read what Job has to say about time, and now Job had a lot of reasons to say some things about time. He says this, Job chapter 7 verse 6, My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle, and they come to an end without hope. That's a fun verse, ain't it? It's like not only do they go by fast at the end, they kind of just terrible. They go by fast at the end of the day, it's like, meh. Or what about, he said this in, in, in Job chapter 9 verse 25, My days are swifter than a runner. They fly away without a glimpse of joy. And I get there's probably some people that are in that season. You know, it's funny. There's people in the room that you're in a season that is so good, like you just wish time would slow down. You're just hitting a stride, and things are good in your life, and maybe your, your marriage, your relationships are good. You're in a good place in your career, and you're doing the right things. And, and so, like, you just kind of like, God, can we just hit pause right here? Or just kind of, can we just slow it down to slow-mo because I'm enjoying it, and it's awesome, and I want to savor it. And some of y'all are like, let's go. Let's get it over. This is the worst season of my life. Tomorrow can't come fast enough. And we're wishing our days away, and there's things like, you know, and, and, and what's funny is we kind of go back and forth. And what I found is I always wish, I won't say always, a lot of times I wish I could have back the time I wished away. I wish I could have back the time I wished away. I have twins. Can I be honest with you? The first three months with twins, it ain't fun. It's a lot of, a whole lot of poop and lo- little sleep. I mean, that's just the way it rolls. And I can remember when Aiden and Leah were babies and going through that season where, you know, you, you were up all night and I kind of thinking, Lord, I will be glad when this season is over. And now I'm having conversation with my kids that I didn't think I was going to be able, have to have for several more years. I'm like, can y'all be babies again? And you know what's crazy? It always seems like, you know, the good seasons seem to go by quick and the rough seasons seem to linger on forever. Time. Well, over the next couple weeks, what I hope is for us to learn something from God's Word about this whole subject in such a way that all of us, no matter how old you are or how young you are, begin to leverage time the way God wants us to. And see, I think there's people in the room in all phases. There's people that you're in this room, and because of the stage in your life, you're convinced your best days are behind you. And you're struggling with what to do next with your time. Maybe your kids are grown, they moved out, and they've gone off to college, or they're married now, or, or whatever. And you feel like the best days uh, are, are behind you. Or you feel like, you know what, you hit your peak in college, or in this season of your life, and you're just convinced that like, there's no way the days ahead of me can be as good as the days behind me. And then there's some people thinking, I sure do hope the days ahead of me are better than the ones behind me. Like, no matter what season you're in, what I want to challenge you to do is focus on the time that God has played before you now. And let's figure out what we need to do to leverage it for everything it can be and make the most of our time and make a commitment to using our time, this beautiful resource commodity that we've been given by God to do something significant and powerful for his glory. And to do that, I want to dive into another psalm. Psalm Psalm 90. Psalm 90. Pick up verse 1. The writer of the psalm opens it up like this. Lord, 
You have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, you brought, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. That's a great way to start. That God, before anything ever existed, like you have never been contained or limited by time. Before anything was created that we see, before there was heavens, before there was earth, before anything was ever done or said or built, you have always existed. You are limitless. You, are, are, you, you encompass time in ways that we can't understand. God is himself the maker and giver and creator of all time. You with me say amen. amen. Verse 3 says, you turn people back to dust saying, return to dust, you mortals. In other words, God, you're the one that controls when we live and when we die. You're the one that sets forth when our lives will be and what they, where they will entail. Then verse 4, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. That kind of changes the way we pray a little bit. Like, God, I need you in three days to do this. Okay, but I see a day like a thousand years, so you're going to wait. A thousand years is in your sight like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. Verse 5, yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. In other words, like our lives are like, man, they're like a little vapor, as James would say. They're like a mist. They're that quick. Because see, God looks at all of us in light of eternity. And when you look at 80 years or 90 years or however long you may be blessed to live in the light of eternity, the significance is hard to see. Verse 9, all our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Now, you've got to understand the context where, where he's saying here, all our days pass under your wrath. That word wrath is probably not the, really the best way we could translate that word. You could really translate it under your authority. You with me? Like all our days pass away under your authority. Like all our days are always under your authority. Like you are in charge. You are in control. And yet we, we allow them to go by and then we finish our years with a moan. Verse 10. Our days come to 70 years or 80 if you our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Like, you know what, all our years, whether it be 70 or 80, you know, it seems like no, no, no matter what, they're, they're always flying by. And it seems like the bad always seems to outweigh the good, and we kind of can't get perspective on these things. Verse 11, if only we knew. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that you are due. Now again, you need to understand this passage. You know what, what the writer here is saying? If, if we only knew, if we only knew who you really were, if we only knew what you were really capable of, if we only knew how good you are, if we only knew, and so you see words like anger and wrath, but again, what, he's, what the writer's trying to articulate here is, if we only knew who you were, if we only understood your power, if we only understood what kind of God you really are, man, it would change things. Anybody ever had a if I'd only known moment? If I'd only knew she was crazy. <laughs> if, only, if I'd only knew I, I, I'd get fired six months in if I had only come on we've all had that if I had only known moment 
And the writer's just saying, if, like, if, if we only knew the power of who you are, if we only knew. And then verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. See, see if we'd only know. See, the, the, the writer of this psalm is sitting back thinking, if I'd only known. God, help us to number our days. If I'd only known. If I'd only, if I'd only known then what I know now, my life would have been a lot different. I would have done some things in a new way. I would have changed some things. Teach us to number our days. See, the writer of the psalm said, God, teach us to number our days. Before, before there's no more days left to number. Teach us, for, for, uh, the, the, if we'd only, the sooner that we can figure out that time is not this thing that we are guaranteed, that time is not this thing that we even know how much we're ever going to be able to, to have uh, the, the right amount of. We always think in all this thing, all if and when, and, and we keep rolling through these scenarios in our minds, and we, we procrastinate, and we wait, and we delay, and we waste, and... The writer's saying, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, most of you, when you read this psalm, you're probably already thinking, oh, David must have wrote that, but it wasn't written by David. It was written by another very famous person in Scripture, and his name is Moses. This psalm was written by Moses. And when you think about his story in light of what we've just read, it gives you a lot of perspective. See, Moses lived to be 120 years. But Moses had three very distinct chapters within his story. Moses started out with everything. He was, he was, he was a Hebrew boy. He was from the nation of Israel. But when, when Pharaoh was killing all the little Hebrew boys, his mom decided to put him in a basket because of God's provision and send him down a river. And he ended up growing up in Pharaoh's house and had all the privileges and all the rights of, of a son of Pharaoh. So he would have spent the first portion of his life with everything that you can think of, from, from choice foods to, I mean, you name it, he had it. At this time, the Egyptian government, the Egyptian was, was, the Egypt was the biggest power in all the world and Pharaoh was wealthy beyond belief and so Moses having access to all this would have been able to experience everything life had to offer everything this world can produce Moses would have spent the first third of his life being able to experience but like most people Moses knew there was something missing come on it's funny that we can try everything before we realize the one thing that we really need to give us fulfillment and joy. Moses had to do it as well. And there came a point in Moses when he knew something wasn't right, and, and one day he's, he's out and about, and he sees an Egyptian soldier beating one of the Hebrew slaves, and Moses knows it's not right, and he snaps. And he basically gets in a fight with the guy and kills him. Buries his body in his sand, and then knows he has to flee. And that would enter into a season where he would go from having everything to having nothing. He would just be having one of the lowest jobs on the totem pole in their culture. He would be just protecting his sheep, not even his sheep, his father-in-law's sheep. Until one day, he's out there, you know the story, he's watching the sheep, and he looks over in the distance, and there's a bush that's on fire, but it's the bush is not burning up, and he can't figure it out. So he walks over to see why the fire is not consuming the bush, and God speaks to him and changes his life. And he spends the next last chapter of his life living significantly for God's glory. Moses went from having everything to having nothing to having something given to him by God. And it's in the light of that story that he pins this. You know what I think he's saying? If I'd only known sooner. 
Like, I got to experience the power and purposes of God in the last third of my life. And it was beautiful, and it was great, and it was powerful, and God did amazing things. But I wasted two-thirds of my life doing other things. And if I could have just known him sooner, if I'd have just found him earlier, then maybe I would have invested more time than I wasted. And can I tell you, that's my greatest fear. That the time I waste will be greater than the time I invest. That the time I waste will be greater than the time that I invest. And see, if we're all going to agree that time is this beautiful, precious commodity that we have, don't you want to invest it more than you waste it? Like, isn't that your heart? Like, I hope it is, because if that's not your heart, if your heart isn't to invest more time than you waste, then sleep in the next couple Sundays. Because what I want to talk about is how do we get to this point where this time that we've been given, this precious, beautiful commodity of moments and minutes and hours and days that is leveraged for God's glory in such a way that we don't waste it anymore, that we invest it in things that leave a legacy and that cause things that are, that are bigger than we are, and we actually do something with our life that makes a difference for all eternity. I got fired up. Y'all didn't, but that's okay. So I was re- wrestling with that question over the last several weeks, and this is just kind of right out of my journal. Like, how do, I, how do I invest more than I waste? I read this passage of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. Maybe you know it. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So I started looking back at my own life. And can I admit, I think I probably wasted more time than I've invested. And I started just kind of looking at my own pattern, like what, what, what did, have I done and not done that caused me to waste time instead of invest it? And God kind of started showing me things. That when, when I have wasted the most time, I've made more bad decisions than good decisions. Amen, somebody. Like so much of the time that we've wasted have been because of or in light of or on the other side of really, really bad decisions. Now maybe y'all are awesome and y'all never made bad decisions. Like I made bad decisions that like I had to pay for for years. Ash and I first got married, we bought a car we couldn't afford. I mean like a really bad car. The kind when you go to trade in, they're like, you owe like $8,000 more than this car's worth. Oh, uh, what's that mean? You're upside down. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm standing right here. <laughs> like I, you know, like those kind of bad decisions. And what I've discovered is that the, the time that I have wasted most often in my life is when my bad decisions have outweighed my good decisions. And bad decisions are time wasters. Come on. Bad decisions are time wasters. Some of us are living trying to recoup time and we're trying to scoop the water up and get our hands on it and the reality is we're living in the middle of a lot of bad decisions but then I start thinking okay if if bad decisions over good decisions are the key player in me wasting time what else is at play there and what I've realized is I make bad decisions instead of good decisions when I'm running more on emotion than I am intention come on that I make more bad decisions instead of good decisions when I'm running more on emotion than I am intention. When my feelings are in charge and when it's all about how I feel. And I know that's the culture we live in, but it's stupid. Come on. It's crazy. That, yeah, clap for that because we need to learn that. You know, some, some of the worst decisions you've ever made were decisions that made you happy in the moment. You can make some really bad decisions that make you happy for a little while. Oh, he just makes me so happy. But he's a jerk. Don't marry him. <laughs> but I really like this, this car. You can't afford it. Don't buy it. 
Like we run on our feelings. Or we say, well, I just feel like I need this. Or I just feel like I need to go this way. Or I've just, what I've discovered, and maybe you're different than me, I don't know. But most of my bad decisions over good decisions have come when I'm running more on emotion than the intention and thinking about the big picture of my life and thinking down the road as who God has called me to be, not just what I want and how I feel. But then this is kind of what also God revealed to me. I make bad decisions over good decisions when I'm running more on emotion and intention. And I run more on emotion than intention when I'm living more for my desires than God's purposes. So if I, if I walk it all the way back, okay, if bad decisions are the biggest time wasters in my life, and the bad decisions most often come because I'm making decisions based on emotion instead of intention, then the, really, the, the bigger picture at play is, here is when I'm making emotional decisions over intentional decisions is when I'm living for my desires over God's purpose in my life. And that if I want to get the most out of my time, the only way I'll ever be able to do it is to live every moment in the center of his will and purpose for my life. So if you want to invest more time than you waste, it ultimately becomes making the decision that you're going to live for God's purposes and not your desires. That you're going to want what God wants for you. And that God's will and way is going to be the driving force behind your life. Which means that you're going to have to allow him to be front and center of everything that you say, think, and do. Like that's the only way you don't waste time to make sure that you're seeking him and pursuing him. Like all throughout scripture, we, we, we see this call, this challenge to, to seek God, to pursue God, to put him first. Places like the Old Testament, when you see seek, basically that, that's, that word is really ta- calling, talking about pursuing him, chasing him, making him first in your life. Like in Psalm 119, verses 9 and 10, how can a, ma- a young person stay on the path of purity? How can you stay on the path where your time is going to be invested instead of wasted? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Proverbs 28.5, evildoers do not understand what is right, but those who seek the Lord, put him first Understand it fully. Or you know the words of Jesus, Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you as well. Because see, at the heart of it really is invested time over wasted time is really about living through your priorities. Come on. I hear people all the time is, is I just want my life to be balanced. And I kind of get what you're saying this, but I, I don't ever want a balanced life because not everything in my life is of equal value, so it shouldn't get equal time. I want to be properly imbalanced, if that makes sense. Come on. But you know what I find? Like, if priorities are necessary for us, see, priorities and purpose are interlocked. If you don't know your purpose, you can't set the proper priorities. And if you aren't living through priorities, you're not achieving your purpose. Like purpose and priorities are, are, are connected. And, and you know what? When you're living for your own personal agenda, then you're setting your own personal uh, priorities. And so therefore, you're robbing time of its potential. And the only way to give time the potential that it really needs and deserves, like God-given potential, is to allow God's purposes and God's priorities to come connected in your life. Then you can live out in full potential and make the most of your time. Then you will invest more time than you waste. And so that's kind of the question I'm going to leave you with. You want to invest more time than you waste? It begins with you personally make a commitment to God's 
purposes. I'm reminded that Acts chapter 17, this is a verse that I hope wrecks you as much as it wrecks me. Acts chapter 17, look at the latter part of verse 25. It says, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. So like, like everything you have is from him for his purpose, for his glory. Then check this out. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. Then listen to this. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. So you know what that means? You're not alive in this community in 2017 randomly. You were plucked out of history by the hand of your Heavenly Father and put here. Ooh. So are you just going to continue to drift through counting the days? Or we drive forward and make the days count? The only way to do that is to live on purpose for the one who created you. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? that's your goal, if that's your heart, if you want to, if you want to get the, mo- the most potential out of your time, it's having the right purpose and the right parties. Only comes from your Heavenly Father. And the first thing you need to know is that doesn't happen outside of relationship with God. And you can't have a relationship with God outside of believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So if you want to get the most potential out of your time, the first decision you need to make is to choose Jesus as your Savior, to acknowledge your sin before Him, allow Him and His blood to be that sacrifice necessary to make you right with God, to seek His forgiveness and put your trust in Him. And if you've never done that, you can do it right now. It's not difficult. It's not hard. It's step one on a life journey of faith. The Bible says if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you are saved. If you've never done that and you want to do that today, I want to pray for you. You just throw your hand up. I'm choosing Jesus as my Savior today. I'm going to put my trust and hope in Him. Just throw your hand up and leave it up. Amen. 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 Leave them up. Leave them up because I want to make sure I see them all. Amen. Amen. You can put them down. You just step from death to life in that one moment, that making that decision. Or maybe you're here today and you know Jesus, but somewhere along the way you just kind of started living for your own desires, running on emotion, and now you're living in the shadow of some bad decisions. The good news is you're here and you have breath in your lungs and His mercies are new every morning and you have a new opportunity to step forward in faith and follow Him. Just a minute, we're going to worship. And as we worship, when you just talk to God and seek Him and Allow him to guide your mind and your heart and the direction that you need to go next. Father, thank you for the hands that went up. For those today who have professed a belief in you, God. And God, I pray that right now you'd help them to know that, Lord, they may not feel any different right now. and They may not have a bunch of emotion, but that doesn't make it any less real. That, God, your word is true. And what Jesus has done for on, our call, on the cross is is all that we need, God, that he shed his blood for us. And Lord, I pray that every hand that went up would just be secure in knowing that who they are in you and that they move forward trusting you, believing in you, and allowing you to work in their lives. And God, for the rest of the room, God, help us to wrestle with this question today. Will we invest more time than we waste? 
And when we do the things that we need to do to make sure that we drive forward, making our days count. Guys, we worship you now. I pray that your spirit would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand, let's worship together. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.